it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, ladies and gentlemen, the hardcore legend, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'll be great as soon as I get a swig of the nectar of the gods with my good friend DJ on there. Ah, delicious. Well, we're excited that you're here. You're back. We're in studio, Huntsville, Alabama. And as I understand it, you're staying all weekend. What's going on in Huntsville? Brother, we are making a family uh, gathering out of it. My family, uh, as fate had it, they, my family came in to town to see Shinedown, my wife's absolutely favorite band, and it's uh, my two boys. It's up there in their top five. So we had talked a little bit earlier about uh, a few episodes ago or a few months ago about my son Mickey meeting yes. lead singer Brent Smith. And my wife was the person on the plane going, are you who I think you are? And him like going, who do you think I am? You, you know, who do I think I am? Who do you think I am? And she got her photo with him. And then Mickey, you know, Mickey, I, I keep saying Mickey's going to come in, right? He's yes. such a fantastic young man. We will have him in to play his guitar and talk. But, uh, he, you know, he's on the spectrum. Right. He doesn't want that to define him anymore, but he's on the spectrum. So I guess when he was looking <laughs> at the lead singer um the guy could tell because he was kind of gazing more like that that childlike quality that's there brent Brent smith and as soon as brent got his uh as soon as brent got his bag he looked at my son he gave him like the finger not he didn't give him the finger he pointed his his pointing finger out and then did the for those of you who aren't watching, he gave him the, come on over here. Yes. And he took a photo with Mickey. So last night when I asked Mickey how it went, he said, Brent Smith recognized me from the uh, from the airport. He even said something before I said anything, and then he gave him a hug. So uh, your, awesome. your guy, what's his name? The guy Cassio. Cassio. Cassio really did an amazing job. He was... Uh, texting to me exactly where they should meet it was just it was amazing and i can't thank you enough because my wife isn't just someone to say i right, just put it out there if you can right, right and then right. leave it alone she is thorough <laughs> she is thorough um there is uh, i'll just leave it at that she's thorough, thorough. <laughs> and they all had a they all had a great time which was incredible, but I had, if not as great a time, an interesting time uh, due to my movie choice. Have you ever been laying in bed and Grillo just nod your head in affirmation in this case, you and you're like, I wonder, is there a good coming of age uh, lesbian Muslim Lucha Libra movie on? What? Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, and there is. <laughs> what? It's called Signature Move. Okay. And it's not just a coming-of-age, lesbian, Muslim, Lucha Libra movie. Might be the. It's the Bret Hart. Wow. Of coming-of-age. So it's good. Yeah, I, I like it. was Really, you could tell it was shot on the cheap, you know, yeah. low budget, uh, on location in Chicago. But as I, I watched it, I enjoyed it. And it was afterwards, I was thinking, I was like, wow. There's a young woman from a very conservative Muslim background or her mom lives with her. Her mom is like a shut-in. She gets most of her enjoyment out of life by looking at the neighbors with binoculars. Mm. Uh, she is very adverse to the idea of her daughter with another woman. But the Lucha Libra serves 
not only to allow the, the young lady who's in love with, she's in love with uh, the daughter of a famous luchador, oh, luchador wow. mother. Yeah, it's pretty complex. And what I love about it is wrestling is treated as that vehicle with which she connects finds. People. It connects people. She finds her herself in the wrestling. And by doing that, it allows her to embrace. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Wow. And I know it's not for everyone. It's, even, it's not even for all wrestling fans. So if I say, if, you know, jokingly, hey, here's the premise. It's a coming of age, you know, lesbian, Muslim, Lucha Libre story. And that doesn't, doesn't sound like it's for you. Then don't watch it because you might hate it. But if you're, you're like your mind is open, like, yeah, I'll spend or I'll give it the 15, 20 minute tryout. I'm going to check it out. And see if I connect with the characters. And the t I don't want to give it away, but the the lucha leads the mother to not other, only a better understanding of her daughter, but also it gets her out of the house for the first time. Wow! When you see the mom heading for the lucha show with the lawn chair, it, yeah, it, I really enjoyed it. It was That's really good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear they enjoyed their time in Huntsville, and uh, you found a way to entertain yourself. You have to think the director of this movie. We'll get, we'll get, he'll hear about, he'll this. hear about this, right? Because yes. I don't know of any other wrestler or wrestling. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was sweet. You know, it's funny because you never know who's listening to these shows and it wasn't too terribly long ago. We talked about your travels to Alaska. That's right. And as it happens, we got a special delivery. Mick to your oh! left to my right. <laughs> is this what it is? This is oh! a special delivery from our friends at the North Pole. <laughs> it's like Christmas morning. I know what it is because I asked you, is there any way it's a North Pole coffee? Oh, my God. They make it there in North Pole, Alaska. Let me take a look at that. I had to put that. Let me. Shout out to those fine folks who heard it on the show, looked up our address, and there it is. Mick Foley is ready to go. This is, uh, this is a North Pole coffee, North Pole blend. That's their signature blend. Oh, this is a great day. I mean, the red paper in there, too. This is the Saints, most... Saints, Snickerdoodle. Are you kidding me? Do you believe in miracles? Look at this. Saints, Snickerdoodle. Saints, Snickerdoodle. What oh, a great name man. for a coffee. Saint Snickerdoodle. This is nice. Is that, and then we've got one more. Two, four, four. Truly, this they is the greatest up, day man. of my life. Another North, North Pole blend. North Pole blend. You can never have too much of that. It is the uh, traditional match which makes the gimmick matches stand out. Yes, it is. So you can't live on St. Snickerdoodle alone. Uh, you, go, you build up to that. That's the cage yeah. match, I call it. This is great. North Pole blend, Snickerdoodle. I am all set. And now, the, would it be improper to what? wrap all of these up individually and re-gift them? I think that is the most Mick Foley idea of all time. I really thought you were going to say, would it be proper for us to have a cup of this on next week's program? Oh, and man. we could definitely do that. You know what? Yeah, next week's program, this, this is one of the best Because we gifts. do have one of those coffee makers here in the office. Well, but the crazy it. thing is I'm putting things together. I didn't reach out to you. I, I reached out to uh, Gilbert Boyas, my booking agent, yes. to ask if he could get in touch with the guy who ran the Alaska Con. Because, I, you know, I travel light. Right. right. We know uh, that. Three weeks at a time, 19-inch carry-on, and I just uh, buy and discard 
occasionally order a six pack of a Fruit of the Loom underwear to be sent to my hotel, and I'm good to go, brother. There you go. And then when you know, I'm in trouble, uh, Conrad, us both being large <laughs> men, do you have an extra shirt? And you came through big time. Oh, this is this is shaping up to be one of the best. This is shaping up to be the Bret Hart of Folius Pod episodes. Well, let's say this too. We've also got more in store this weekend because you're spending the whole weekend in Huntsville. Tell everybody why you're here. Well, primarily to do our show. Sure. But as long as I was going to be in Huntsville for the show, I was like, is there a major Comic-Con going on? Come on. It turns out there is, and it's at the Von Braun Center. I guess the Von Braun Center has a lot of different things going on. Exhibit halls. Yeah, exhibit halls. Yeah. So I'll be there Friday uh, through uh, the 21st through the 23rd. And... Um, so pretty today, good. tomorrow, and yes, Sunday. Yes, today, yeah. tomorrow, Sunday, and uh, I'm I'm excited. I always uh, Jungle Boy is one of Gilbert's guys. Anna Jay is one of uh, Gilbert's uh, people. William Shatner, Bill Shat. If Bill Shatner's at it, you know it's a good con. That's right. Like nobody steers him wrong. No. And uh, I love it when there's other. It's different. When I was in Alaska, I was the only wrestler. Right. And you think, okay, that's good. Now I've got them all to myself. But we need, I think we need three or four yes. just to bring wrestling fans in. Yes. Because if they're on the fence, they're like, well, I like Mick Foley, but I don't know about going to a con. But if there's me and Jungle Boy and Anna Jay, I think there's one more uh, AEW star. And it's always fun. You know, it's, and I think, I think the fans like to know that, you know, behind the scenes, you know, almost all of us get along. Sure. You know, and that there's a nice little friendship there with me and Dr. Baker. So whatever you see on uh, social media is just teasing a sure. little bit, you know. I even gave Dr. Baker, I said, you know, Brent, I said, uh, you ought to see if they could do uh, uh, somebody who was wearing a Cactus Jack wanted shirt. I said, those are Pittsburgh Steeler colors. Wow. Right? I said, you ought to see if they can modify that and make it a shirt for you. And with she goes, would you mind? I said, no, like I've 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 been making money off that and been happy to see people wearing it for literally twenty eight years now. Wow, twenty eight years. Yeah. So like when the Briscoes had their wanted shirt, it's cool. That's cool by me. I'm doing fine. I'd much rather the I'd much rather the Briscoes <clears throat> have a have their own have their own wanted shirt than to have a bootleg wanted right. shirt out there. Yes. Um, but I see it as a tribute. You know, I, mean, I yeah. see it as a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody copies or borrows from something that That's doesn't not work. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all for uh, Dr. Baker rocking a cactus-esque T-shirt. Make it happen, TK. Like you it. know you can make it happen. I'm sure Ryan Barkin and the crew are yeah, on. Ryan, it. Ryan, yeah, get on Come it. Come on. Uh, of course, this weekend is going to be fun in Huntsville. If you have a chance, swing by the VBC and check out Mick Foley. Um, and then next weekend, man, it's finally here, as I understand it. Next Sunday, oh, yeah. it's a big day for you. Tell us about it. It is the debut of WWE Most Wanted Treasures, the show that we had to only speculate on. But now uh, that it's out there and the, you know, they're doing the teasers with me and Booker and Lita and some of the other WWE stars, I can tell you we just did our final filming last week. I started working on this thing in June, June, and I have not flown this much. And I do travel quite a bit, yeah. except for the pandemic year where I only did a, had a couple flights. Um, but uh, this is the most I've traveled since 2001. Wow. 
uh, traveling around the country, uh, retrieving these items. Negotiations are big. You know, yeah. you know, you were in the collector world. Um, negotiate and, and people have an attachment yes, to these things. Some people, okay, I can make money off this. Some people are in it for you know tra the transactions. Other people just love that, love it. They love it. And so we do our very best. Uh, we never force anybody. Right. And one of the things I like about the show is that nothing is guaranteed. So there was literally, I won't tell you which guest I was with because I don't want to tip my hat as to which episode it is, but we were getting no, no, no. And me and the other WWE superstar were uh, about two steps from the bottom of the stairs and then across the foyer and out of the house when we heard, wait a minute, and we turned around, and in the three seconds that it, uh, for maybe, maybe longer, with me going down the stairs, holding onto the railing for dear life. We've both been there. We, sure. We've been all in there. You're holding onto that thing as if it's the most important thing in your life. Um, we turned around, and in those seconds, uh, the wife had convinced the husband to, to let it go. Wow. And so not only were they financially compensated in a very fair way, I will say that, in a very fair way, but uh, it makes makes for good TV. And uh, we all, everyone involved in this thing feels really good about it. We've got people, uh, a, a crew that was just unbelievable. We all got along, everything was harmonious. Um, and we feel like that's going to be on the, on the screen. Right. So the one rough cut I saw, the DX episode, it's really good. And if the others are up to that standard, we feel like it's going to be a very good show that has a chance to reach out to the non-wrestling fans wow. or even the dormant wrestling fans. Because in a lot of cases, we're retrieving things, you know, that are From the old 20, 30 years old sometimes, you know, going back to like Gorgeous George and that, that oh, era. Wow. So it's pretty cool. And I feel good that I can finally speak about it. I feel like it's a show that uh, wrestling fans did enjoy the first season. Yes. And they'll enjoy this one as well. As I understand it, it's next Sunday night on A&E? Yeah, uh, yes, uh, April 30th. And I don't know what they're kicking it off with, but uh, we can certainly talk about it after. Oh, look at this. What a spread, all this coffee. Shout out to North Pole. Man. So I talked about this on the show. Yes. I mentioned North Pole Coffee yes. and a listener... I, I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, listen, we didn't open the box until you were on campus. We wanted to make it easy to open so our great. camera. So it just sat on my desk for weeks until you could be here to open it. And, I mean, this is like Christmas morning in April for you. It is. This is a great day. As a matter of fact, I believe I've seen the Keurig machine in There's there. There's two here. Can we, we can dispatch somebody so that I can have an on-air cup of coffee? I mean, I was pitching that we do it next week. But next week, next week, week on-air cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On-air cup of coffee next week. I'm really excited. And you know what's great about this, Conrad, is that even though I do travel for three weeks at a time with um, a 19-inch carry-on bag and a, uh, I have the little computer gizmo too, um, but in this case, I was, I was visiting my children in Florida and decided to make the clean sweep, got rid of, uh, emptied out my storage unit in Florida. Wow. Was pretty sure I could fit the rest of it in one trip in a minivan, and so I did. And so now I, it looks like it's loaded up like the Beverly Hillbillies making their big move. Uh, stuff sticking out the windows, but this is gonna fit in there. I don't have to worry about <laughs> carrying it on. This is, tr this is tremendous. 
Well, I'm excited that you're excited, and I'm really excited to talk about our topic today. We've spent a lot of time on the program talking about dude love and how much of a big part of your life that character was, but today we're really going to tackle him as a heel for the first time. Uh, we're officially at that 25-year point from so many of your iconic moments in 1998. We've covered so much over on YouTube. If you haven't already, check it out, FoleyOnYouTube.com. That's right. We touched on your your brief run with Terry Funk as Cactus and Chainsaw coming out of WrestleMania and even the brief little tag team title run. But you wrote in your book that the plan you thought was to transition to you and Mark Merrow after WrestleMania and you even mentioned that you would come up with a, a good idea for a program between the two of you. Do you remember this? Did I go into details of what the program was? Mark had changed his style after his knee injury and was getting over. It's a gimmick where he's trying to... Oh, he's trying to shield Sable? Yes. Okay, he's trying to yeah. take control of her. And this is a different presentation than the old Johnny B. Bad that you worked right. with or even the wild man Mark Merrow. Um what do you remember about this idea with this new Mark character? Absolutely zero. Okay. I, I but he, I, it, it has to be true if I wrote it down because I did write earlier that an idea was presented to me. This is where, uh, when Russo said, Mick, I know it's not the best, but we just want to have something for you on Mania. And I gave him the words that no other star ever says. If it's... If it's just a matter of being on the card, I'd rather not be on it. Like I wanted to, I wanted all my stuff to be good and somewhat memorable. And I did not think at that time with the the because Mark was trying out a new character. Yes, he was in some ways like I was in that I had the Cactus Jack thing down. He had that Johnny Bad, Be Bad thing down. It might not have been for everyone. But it was a character. It was established. It was established. It was getting over. Mark did so much great community work for free under the radar. Uh, and I think that's what really endeared him to the Turners. Like they found out, they, they saw it on local news. And John, and I know Mark, he doesn't do it for the, right. for the, because most of that stuff was just stuff he did on the down low. He just believed in talking to kids. And now he's one of the best. Uh, presenters in the, in the country and all of high school. And I think I told you, I ran into Mark at a hotel. Me and Mrs. Foley were checking in for a romantic evening uh, alone. I saw Mark and I asked him if he would forgive me for stuff that I uh, said when I was a little bit envious of his contract. We hugged it out and that's the way you do things, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the way you do things. So I think he's a fantastic guy. And that character, that aspect of the character was starting to click. The heel yes. Johnny B. Bad was starting to click, as evidenced by that really good um, mixed tag match they had. At, marvelous Mark yeah, Marrow. Marvelous Mark Marrow. Yes. Yeah, marvelous Mark Marrow. Coming out in boxing trunks, kind yeah, of like yeah. a leather hoodie mm -hmm, type yep. thing and the sunglasses. And, totally different presentation. And that was, that was really working. And him shielding Sable from the fans. Uh, yeah, they had they had a nice program. I couldn't recognize it at the time because I was still a little bit envious. Well, that's what I wanted to ask is, you know, you've been honest about that. When you came in in 96 and when Steve came in in 96, both of you were really kind of envious of his mm -hmm. contract that sure. he got. You guys came in for the standard bare minimum WWE TV contract that most wrestlers Opportunity. got. There you go. Not, not, we don't give guarantees. We give opportunities. Yes. So literally, I should try, probably try to find my original contract. You think you still have that? It could be worth some money, right? Dude, that would be cool to see. Um, what they guarantee you is 
five shows? Five shows a year at $150 a year. So you were guaranteed $750 a year for five years without the freedom to work anywhere else. <laughs> work anywhere else. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but I, I wanted to bring that up again, because now here you are a couple of years into your run, you've had some success. Mm -hmm. You've clearly enjoyed not to be negative, more success than Mero has. Mm -hmm. Um, has that affected your relationship with him? Like, I know you guys, you know, were, were competitors, but you're yeah. all, you're by nature a friendly guy. And I mean, what was the relationship there? Did you still have a burr under your saddle about that? Were you treating him differently? Do you think? Um, no, I, I did the manly thing and kept it mostly inside, except when I was complaining to people I was riding with. That's I got the, you. that's the manly thing. That's to the do. honest. I yes. never actually confronted him about it. Sure. You know, because I was using the, I was using those feelings in a positive way. As motivation. I was using them as motivation. Yeah. And now it's like you shouldn't resent anyone who's helping clear the way for guaranteed contracts, right? Yeah. Um, but that you know that was listen, it's no secret. I was very limited physically and what I could do. Right. I needed every bit of motivation I could find. And if I could cling to something that was negative and turn it into something positive, that's what I did. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I was always friendly with Mark, but. Uh, do you think the plan, like your idea, do you think the story would have been involving Sable? She was such a big part of the presentation. Yeah. Would it have been with the dude? There was a part where I can't remember exactly when this happened, but there was specifically a time when the dude was supposed to come out and lay one on her. Now, never that mind. That may have been it here. Never mind the fact that that's, you know, any, you know, well, if you go back in movies or whatever and we lambast somebody for doing something that's not proper etiquette today, we'd be here all day writing that. Right, so, right, right. So well, it, didn't, it was a moot point because I forgot to lay it on her. And I got to the back. Oh, and this was written, scripted in. This was scripted forgot. in. Scripted in during the babyface dude love thing. Okay. I think Mero was supposed to take uh, umbrage. There you go. Okay. Serious umbrage to dude lay in one on his lady. When I got to the back, I think it was Vince was like, did you forget something? And I went, and I looked at, at Sable and I went, oh, I was supposed to kiss. <laughs> it wasn't like I was going into business for myself and said, I'm not kissing a, a, you know, a married woman. I'm a married, no, I just, I just completely forgot. Vince wouldn't have forgot. I mean, let's be honest. That's <laughs> you, How could you forget that? Vince would have had a string around his finger, <laughs> a crib sheet and notes on his hand. Yeah. You wrote in your book that you received a surprise phone call from Vince McMahon that changed your outlook on the business. Um, how far in advance of WrestleMania did you know that you would be working with Steve on the other side of it? Because you've talked about how you felt in that cage as they've just, I mean, your partner, Terry Funk has a bruise on his back that, I mean, he should definitely not right. be working with. And now you've just taken a beating and it feels like, you know, you had these big plans for WrestleMania. We're going to do the double cross ranch stuff. We're going to do the exploding death stuff. None of that really happens. And now the night after, after a brutal WrestleMania dumpster match, you're just getting destroyed and fans are chanting for Austin. Well, the reason they're chanting for Austin, they weren't chanting for him to make the save. Uh, when I, I went down and I was, uh, I was selling, but I didn't need to sell that much. You know, right. they laid a whoop, whooping on me. 
and it was uh, it was Finkel. I believe it was Howard Finkel who said it may not have been live. You know, make sure you stick around. Plenty of time. Plenty of stars, including Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's when the Austin chant started. So I should have been able to rationalize that while I was laying there. Well, of course they're going to chant his name. It's that Pavlovian yes. response. But instead, I was like, "Ooh, this hurts," and I'm going to use this. Yes. I don't know when, but so I can't tell you for sure if I knew at that time. When I was laying there, that I was going to become evil dude, or just that I knew sooner or later, if I had the chance to work with Steve, I would use that on him. Fight Plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment, and they're now offering a free seven-day trial at tryfight.com. Fight Plus is packed with a premium live event schedule, over a thousand hours of live action every year, and a library of more than four thousand hours on demand plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com. I, um, I love talking about this because, as I understand it, Russo brings to you, hey, here's the plan. You're going to be working with Steve, and it was Steve's idea. Yeah. So to hear that this isn't Vince's idea, it's not Russo's idea, this is Stone Cold, the hottest guy in the whole company right. now. Maybe the Coming off that gargantuan mania. WrestleMania, WrestleMania main event with Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to work with you. Yep. Um, is this... I mean, this has got to be one of the highest compliments you could ever receive, no? For sure, man. Because uh, Steve clearly had a say. I'm assuming he had quite a say in who he worked with. Uh, Steve, he was, I mean this in a positive way, he was protective about his his push to the point, you know, where if uh, he thought something was a bad promo, he almost thought it was intentionally bad. Um, and I, I wish I could tell you for sure that Steve wanted to work with me at, at which character. I don't know when they came up with the dude love heel turn, but as long as we were talking about Sable, may I just point it out there, even though I think we have done this uh, on a previous podcast, she's got to go into the Hall of Fame. Do you think it's just point. Brock not wanting her? Uh, you know, I... Privacy reasons? Pro- probably maybe privacy, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's up. that's a family decision, right? but she should be in there. She For was sure. a, a megastar, and uh, yeah, she was she was huge. She really was. Yeah, she was a big no part doubt. of the Attitude Era. Definitely belongs in there. So I, I don't know for sure where the idea of turning dude heel came from, but I think Vince Russo, Vince Russo had a lot to do with it. And I know there was some worry of whether or not I could pull that off because Russo told me the day, uh, like the, the night following the match, that same night, following that first match, we had two really good matches, the second one being more epic than the first, but the first one was really solid and a very good match, and as it should be when you're mystery in your house. Of course. Really cementing my legacy there. And uh, Vince said, you know, that he was worried, and then they realized, Vince put me over, he goes, he said, 
Vince, it's Mick Foley. Like, right. don't worry about the character. Mick's going to find a way to make this work. And, and we did. So when you're laying in the ring there and, and fans are chanting, uh, and you know they're chanting for Austin, this is not really you know, where you hoped this would be, but this is where you are. Uh, are you thinking at the time as you lay there, I'm going to use this as a way to embrace a, a heel turn? Exactly. Yes. Now, I, I mentioned in my uh, 20 Years of Hell tour that this was where things started getting a little complex and maybe overdone because at that point I'd been in the company two years. I'd come in as dark mankind. I had become... Off of that, I become Dude Love. I then had a chance to become Cactus Jack. I had a chance to do all three simultaneously at the Rumble. Then I come back as uh, Evil Mankind. Mm-hmm. I mean, evil, I come back as Mankind, that, Cactus Jack. Then I'm Evil Dude Love. And by the time I was getting ready for the Cell match with... Uh, Undertaker in June of 98, I just thought fans, we'd asked a lot out of them. Uh, that's a lot of momentum shifting, and it just felt like that character, not the character, like I was getting stale. But because I had Vince on my side, and Vince kind of turned me into corporate dude love, which was a nice, fun turn. We got through those two matches, and I was with Steve for the title. Right. We got through those two two matches and uh, and did uh, I think outperformed expectations. But leading into the uh, match with uh, the Undertaker, which I'm pretty sure we're going to cover in its own yes. episode. Absolutely. Yeah, I was a little bit concerned with whether the fans had seen too much of me in too short a time. You uh, you mentioned once upon a time that earlier in your career. Michael Hayes gave you some advice about finding motivation. Yeah. Can you share us? He said a bad guy has to believe he's right. That no matter how warped the logic, in his heart, a bad guy has to believe he's right, which is why I never liked the, oh, he, he turned heel because he was offered more money. You know, literally, and I'm not, I don't want to pick on the guy, so I won't even mention, but there was an angle in world class where Babyface was giving kind of a fiery promo, and then Skandor Akbar <laughs> walked over with a wad of cash, and the Babyface said, let's talk. And the next week, he was a heel. I was like, there is nothing about that that interests me. So I would peruse, like, a few of my favorite uh, crime novelists, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy I used to love. He was a former... Uh, child psychologist or psychologist. Uh, And so he gave his heels some texture Mm. and some background and maybe, if not rationalization, at least an explanation of what it was. Jonathan Kellerman. Okay. That made them bad. And so I, you know, I had taken parts of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein while I was reading uh, Kellerman, trying to come up with characters that had rationales in their mind for being bad. And the probably the, the best example I can give you, where I said no matter how warped the logic, is when I did a program with Mikey Whipwreck based around him leaving Doritos in my car and listening to heavy metal music. I love it. And it was so ridiculous, but it worked because I was, I was very believable. You know, like uh, it was really, and it ended up in uh, 
in a really, we ended up in my final ECW match where for the first time only, I was, uh, any wrestler I know I was handed a Leonard Cohen album uh, to use as a foreign object, but being such a Cohen fan, I didn't use it, I cradled it. So if you look out there, there is a photo <laughs> of Cactus Jack cradling a Leonard Cohen album. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So take me through that night, you know, the night after WrestleMania, we're going to talk about the TV taping you do the next day, but that's where you cut this in-ring promo where you really try something and you're going to try to be cerebral and peel back the curtain and just talk about your real feelings using how you feel here as motivation. But for that to happen on a 24 hour turnaround, the next day of taping, do you just lay that idea on them as soon as you walk through the curtain or what do you recall? Hmm. It sounds like something I would. Yeah. Or if they already had the heel turn in place, it would not have been a situation where I would have come back saying, hey, listen to that. I can turn heel tomorrow based on that. Well, it's clearly they knew that they wanted, Steve said he wanted yeah. to work with yeah. you. And now you're thinking, all right, well, I, I can't be a baby face. I need to be a right. heel for him. How do I do that? What's that's my motivation? motivation? What's my motivation? So as soon as I, I think I was wondering what the motivation would be. And as soon as I heard the fans chanting, uh, Steve's name, I was like, that's, that's my motivation right there. You're, um, you're telling that story the next day in your promo. And this is one where I do not remember the promo. Here's what you wrote. Well, let me get to the end. And it's funny because when I came here two years ago, it was mankind. And there were always people saying, why don't you just be cactus Jack? Then I came out in tie-dye and some boots, and they said, why don't you just be Cactus Jack? Well, I gave you Cactus Jack. I gave you every goddamn bit of energy I had. And when I was lying there helpless, you chanted someone else's name. This is not a knock on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, I'm happy he's the champion. And he may not admit it, but we've known each other for a long time, and he's been my friend. But what you did to me and Terry Funk, laying there in the middle of the ring, was not only distasteful and disrespectful, it was disgusting. Well, I can finally say for the first time, after 13 years of blood, sweat, and tears, that it's not worth it anymore. That's going to be a long time before you see Cactus, Cactus Jack, Jack in this okay. ring again. Yeah, that's better than I, I usually I remember. You've seen I remember some promos yes. almost word for word. So you tend to remember the really good ones and the ones that slipped away on you. And you don't remember everything in the middle. Uh, that, that's a good one. This that's one feels a, real. Felt real because that's exactly what I was thinking. And now the key word is it's going to be a long time before you see Cactus Jack. Yes. And so if those any of those fans had their spidey senses out there, yes. they might be like, ooh, might we see another character? Um, when you come out of the ring, I mean, that, that promo would be written about in the dirt sheets and a lot of people, you know, because the fans in this era are really rowdy. They're lively. They're bringing signs. They're doing chants. I mean, this was before what, but... They're ready for the next car crash, sure. and you're doing something that's very cerebral. Do you remember feeling like it landed or coming back and thinking, I liked the content, but I don't know that they got it? Or did you think they got I it? I think they got it. Okay. I think they got it. There had been times when uh, I expressed frustration that because I wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just the catchphrases. It was the cadence of yes. getting a reaction every five to ten seconds. And if you threw off that cadence, 
people got out of the habit of listening. You know, they were really... They want to be Pavlovian. Uh, yeah. They want to interact. And it was, it was almost hardwired into their brains that segments are going to be shorter now. We're going to hit you with a lot of different things. You don't have to pay attention for very long to anything. So when we then asked people to pay attention, sometimes it didn't happen. But uh, uh, my recollection is that they did listen this time around. So what's interesting is this is a taped show, so it hasn't aired on TV yet. So you're going to go and, and work for the next week, including the European tour, as Cactus Jack. Okay. Uh, and it'll be, um, I guess, Cactus Jack's European-only pay-per-view debut, Mayhem in Manchester. It's going to be you and Goldust. He's got Luna with him. Do you remember that show? No. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Um, Who are we wrestling? Well, it's you guys against each other. Oh, so oh me and Goldust, Goldust against each other. Cactus Jack and... Uh, Sable is going to come down after the bout and attack Luna. Mark Merrow is going to appear, holding her back. And then uh, as after they leave ringside, Goldust and Luna leave. Sable's going to shove Merrow to the mat. and So your match is kind of a backdrop yeah, to that. Yeah, okay. um, the rest of the European tour, though, sees Kane and Goldust defeat you uh, in uh, Obenhausen and Berlin before you team up with Ken Shamrock to defeat The Rock and D'Lo in Beirut, and then uh, you end in Hamburg with Goldust defeating you as the promo airs on Raw. Uh, is there any one European tour, besides the one with your ear, that sticks out more than the others? Uh, oh, let me see. Now, business got so big in the United States that we stopped touring Europe because yes. we were selling, you know, you can ask Ricky and Robert. They were there. Hanging uh, Hanging from the rafters. Yes, Brother, sir. you never see so many people. Let me inhale and take two steps back. That's the classic. <laughs> Ricky. It is crazy to think about how the business changed so much. We're going to talk about that here in a minute because when you first come to the WWF, it's okay. Yeah. But, boy, it started to get a little hotter in 97. And by 98, we're selling out everywhere we go now. I mean, it's just crazy yeah. to see how fast that can turn. Momentum is real, but sometimes you make these plans before you know you have that momentum. So this European tour, which for a long time, while business was, well, frankly, on its ass here domestically, yeah. you could always count on a sellout abroad because they weren't overexposed. They didn't yeah. see you all the time. But now it doesn't make sense, to your point. Why would we go all the way over there to sell out when we can sell out here? Right, yeah. I mean, I did. we did tours in the Middle East uh, in 96 and 97. I think there were three of them. And then we never went anywhere near yeah. the Middle East the rest of the time that I was there. And our European trips became literally flybys where we did a pay-per-view show and left. Yeah. We would get in the day of the show, not even the day before the show. You get in the day of the show. They always had great catering at the UK events. You would do your pay-per-view, and then you'd be on a plane out of there. To catch Monday Night to Raw. To catch Monday Night Raw. So a lot of times you scarcely remembered what you did right. in the match. And I'll dare, I'll go out on a limb and say, it may have resulted in less quality no than, you know, I don't know. There obviously were exceptions, but there were some really good matches on there. And I think it was in the UK uh, when a dude wrestled Triple H. I could be wrong on this. And I loaded up uh, the Sweet Shin music and Triple H jumped over the kick and then rolled out of the ring as if he had just gained another lease on life. Which I love it. I thought was a tremendous. <laughs> hey, since we're talking about the UK, since you and I have sat down and recorded again in person, uh, 
AEW's announced they're running Wembley. Wembley, the stadium, not, not the right? arena, Whoa. but the stadium. Yeah, uh, I mean, this thing can be set up for tens of thousands of fans. Certainly going to be the biggest AEW show in history. Uh, what I mean, this is a legendary moment in wrestling history when you go back to SummerSlam 92. As you know, anytime you go over there, fans just love talking about that. For a lot of folks, that's sort of their WrestleMania three. And now it's going to come back, this time with AEW. What do you expect? Well, first of all, I expect a great show. Yes. Um, hey, look, they beat WWE to the punch. I think the UK has been wanting to host another big uh, WWE event pay-per-view. Well, they did the whole ca Castle Clash. Or oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. But still, so, this, is, this feels, for lack of a better word, it feels a little bigger. I just feel like I disrespected Drew McIntyre right there. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, Drew. Um, what we interesting is to see uh, see what they bring in, they draw, and to see how many people jump all over them if they don't draw forty thousand people. Well, that's the thing that's interesting to me is it's like you know with WWE, I think we all kind of expected for Drew and the crew to sell that out yeah. last year, whereas with AEW, it is kind of a question mark like. What can they do? How are they going to do? And as you and I are recording it, as I understand it, there's been over 50,000 reservations for tickets. Yeah. And it's unlikely that those folks are signing up to buy one ticket. They're yeah. probably going to buy two or more. So you think, hey, man, they might be able to squeeze 60, 70. Who knows? Man, it could be it could be epic. I'm sure yeah. they've got their people over there uh, doing promotional work. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind that the... Uh, Parade of Champions at Texas Stadium, mm -hmm. uh, where Ric Flair uh, dropped the title to Kerry Von Erich, was in front of about 45,000 people, and that was an overwhelming success. Yes. No one in that t day and age looked at the you know a stadium with big swaths of empty seats and said, oh, they can't draw. No. Uh, and also, I, really, I remember back to when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson at the Tokyo Dome. It was about half sold. Yes. Uh, there wasn't a lot of interest because it wasn't thought it was going to be a good fight. Right. So things are not instant sellouts no matter how big they seem to be. I, yeah, I think they could have 50,000, 60,000 people Some of the there. greatest matches in wrestling history, like Flair and Steamboat at the Superdome, man, they had hundreds. You know, They, they, they had, had about 1,000, right? Yeah, and that I mean, huge. How is that possible? Why weren't they just air-lifting, air-dropping tickets? You know, the as the story goes, it was a fumble in promotion. They wanted to drive. They wanted to focus on the television, so they never promoted tickets. They Were they just promoting promoted. the Omni the next week? <laughs> right. That was the. That was the. No, this was before Bill Watts was the one who really made the Omni a priority. Uh, but talk about two professionals, because I got to tell you, you don't get into this business without something of an ego, right? And if you have a thousand people in a sixty thousand seat building, it's, it's going to hurt. Yes. So for those two guys to go out there and very creatively lit in a very yes. creatively lit stadium, very dark, and turn in just a majestic performance, it was uh, that was that was the draw, right? So that that's the one where they did the uh, the submission. So it's a submission match. Oh, it was. Yeah. Um, and, and and they did it as you were. Laying it out, I wanted to remind you, this was head-to-head -head with WrestleMania. Ooh. So WrestleMania five versus this. That's the reason they were perhaps pushing it more on TV. Don't spend $30 or whatever okay. on WrestleMania. Instead, watch this. But 
unfortunately, not a lot of people showed up. It was still part of the greatest trilogy, maybe, of all time. But uh, to show you what a great trilogy it was, the, 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 um, the show in New Orleans was my third favorite. And then, to me, Chi-Town Heat and Music City Showdown yes. are almost indistinguishable, not as matches, but in how much I enjoyed them. Yes. So, incredible. But, yeah, this goes back to just honoring those two amazing performances in less than ideal circumstances. We're pulling for AEW. hope that they do really, really well. It's great for the whole business, and it's certainly going to be landmark for their business. I mean, just the visual of running a stadium Now, is show. this where TK has guys like Big Show going all over the U.K.? Um, Big Show, Mark Henry, guys who have... Uh, are known by the masses. You would think that makes sense. I think but it makes sense, right? For them to already have, as I understand it, it's nearly impossible to snag a hotel room and Airbnb near Wembley like that went immediately. Really? And I think the pre-sale happens in a couple of weeks, maybe the first week of May. So we'll see how it does. And, and I when is the that, date? It's the end of August, August 27th. And interestingly, Mr. Foley, they haven't said it's a pay-per-view, which makes me wonder, is it going to be on HBO Max? Is it going to be on television? What should we expect? Oh, you should expect me to be setting up a card table outside of Wembley. Selling t-shirts like Virgil. <laughs> hey, that's what we need to do. We need to get over there and do a live show right before. That's what we need. <laughs> hey, so listen, let's talk about how crazy the business is back So in say they draw 60,000 people. If only one out of every hundred stops at my table, it'd be a good payoff, right? I mean, can we get that many Funko Pops over there? <laughs> uh Let's talk about 98 here because yeah. we mentioned you guys go to Europe, even though, you know, at this point, maybe you don't have to, but you do a full tour and you're going to come back. And just to remind everybody, we had the Monday after Raw. That's where you get this motivation. The very next day in Syracuse, you cut that promo about you fans have turned on me. You won't see Cactus Jack again for a long time in this ring. That airs on the 6th. So the next Monday is April 13th, 1998. And that is where you guys end the 83-week streak. And you beat Nitro for the first time. Yeah. But before that happens, you come back from Europe, and yes, we're going to go beat Nitro, but first, got to go work an indie show. <laughs> what in the world is going on? We're hotter than ever. You're working with the world champion. But i got to go get this indie I show. I thought I did the indie show before Over the Edge in May. I... I hey, in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. For who could forget the Great Lake Championship Wrestling event at the Eagles Club Presidential <laughs> Ballroom. And old Colonel Corruption, boy, he was no match for you. You won their title, that prestigious Great Lake Championship Wrestling title. It's a world title, by God. I uh This has gotta be Dave Hero's promotion. I, I love that you, in my head you show up and you go, I'm working with Steve. I mean, I can't lose, so I guess <laughs> I'll win the belt. <laughs> what in the world is happening? Hey, you know you have you know you have to blame there is the company. There's no way they should have let us do that. Never. Never, never. I I man. can only guess that they booked this the prior year before you guys got really hot. Let's not for I mean, I just want to remind everybody. Here we are in very early April of 98. In late September, they're telling Brett, we can't honor your contract. We can't afford right. it. So things are not where they are now, just right. a handful of months later. So in my head, maybe they got this permission 
maybe in the fall or maybe late summer the prior year and you sign up for it, you're coming back from sold out tours, about to beat Nitro's ass, but first. Great Lake Championship Wrestling. Colonel Corruption better get his shit together. <laughs> As you're ready for him. Was he a colonel or was he a corporal? I thought no, he no, was. Corporal Punishment. That's a Colonel fella. Corruption was a different guy. It is a different guy. I think guy. they served in the same faction maybe. of the military. <laughs> so listen, April 13th, 1998, what a big day it is. This is the day it finally happens. Yeah. It starts with Austin challenging Vince. Vince is eventually going to be talked into it. Austin said, I can beat you with, with one hand tied behind, behind my, my back. back. And of course, the Stooges are trying to talk him out of it. JR tries to talk this him out of it. This was my favorite single episode of the Monday Night Wars. Just because of the episodic thread all the, the way through. The thread all the way through it. Yes. I, I think we only had two hours instead of three, which yes. is like a giant albatross around a creative's neck. It's just really tough it is. to do this three-hour show. Two hours, especially when you're doing a great job of storytelling like we did that night, it goes by almost in the blink of an eye. And I just love the fact that you have Pat... You have uh, Briscoe showing him Bris some moves. Briscoe showing him some moves. I mean, he's even saying, he even says to Vince that Steve always sets up the stunner with the kick to the midsection. Yes, he does. And if you could grab that you know, leg, he goes, you own him. You own him. So he's getting all this advice, from, you know, which is probably worse than getting no advice at all, getting it from yes. everyone. Uh, and we see Shane McMahon as a television character for the first time. Oh, we do. So Shane had been on TV before as like a WWE official or a referee or what have you. But this is the first time we really get to see Shane as Shane McMahon, the son of Vince. Like he had otherwise just been a suit helping Miss Elizabeth yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty monumental thing. And you're in the back as all of this is happening. And it's in Philadelphia where so many iconic moments in your career have happened. It's a special place for you in ECW and WCW when you're working for, you know, the other independents that were predating ECW. Was that another, I guess what I'm trying to drive at is those fans probably want to see you as dude love less than anybody else. Like they love Cactus Jack. They'll tolerate mankind. But they boo Santa Claus, and they probably hate. They didn't just love. boo him; they threw snowballs at him. Yes. And in ECW, they choke slammed him. Nine one one. There you go. Choke slammed Santa Claus. I think it should be noted that uh, what made this, or, or I might be skipping. Um, prior to, I became Vince's corporate guy, but I can't remember if I became Vince's corporate guy after the first match with Austin or it's after. After okay. So this one was just dude love on his own promo. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think perhaps it's part of this, but I'm saying at this point, we have not yet seen the payoff for the promo you did before. Okay. Like this is where it's really going to happen. And, you know, this is Philadelphia. This is your going to be your time working those pay-per-view main events. At this point, you've had a few in the WWF, but business feels hotter than it did in 96 Does, yeah. and in 97. Uh, and and now you're going to be trying yourself as a heel once you've kind of been getting pops as Cactus Jack. Did this feel like a risk? Yeah, definitely, because it wasn't something I could fall back into. Uh, way back, went back, back, back several months when we were talking about the Dude Loves uh, incarnation, the first one in yes. WWE. Um, I was pointing out that I was glad that I wasn't reading any newsletters because right. they were pretty... 
uh, tough on me because I was learning uh, a brand new character as I went. And in a sense, heel dude love is a new character. Yes. Like he doesn't bear that much resemblance to the freewheeling, fun-loving dude. He becomes kind of this snobby, <laughs> better than that, that, you know, wearing uh, eyeglass, yes. not that eyeglasses are bad, uh, uh, Vince's jacket because it fit me. Sweatpants, still have the sweatpants on, can't change everything up. And I just tried to systematically change everything fans loved about me, hearkening back to my ECW experiment on trying to, how to get Philadelphia ECW fans to dislike Cactus Jack. Well, I'm going to systematically take away everything they like about me, which is where with the goatee was shaved, uh, the condescension moved in, the schmoozing with the fans. Um, and creating what I thought was a really good uh, heel character that worked in ECW. So in this case, I'm going to try to systematically take everything the fans love away from me. This is where I start wearing my front teeth, the top, the top teeth, for the first time in many years. I claim to be uh, a leader of men and a lover of women. I am. Uh, <laughs> I claimed I spoke five languages which some people think I still do, I'm dude love. It was a different type of dude. And it was, it was a risk, it was a big risk. And I even tried to bleach my hair. So I think it's the second match I do, the better of the two matches, even though they're both good, where you can kind of see the hair is a little bit off, but it didn't take, the whole bleaching thing didn't take. But that would explain why when I hit, had my greatest success as mankind, the hair is like a little bit blonde in places, and it's because I didn't have the wherewithal to go back and dye it back to its regular color. But I thought it made for a pretty nice look. Like when I'm holding up that title, you know, there's that iconic photo, yo, Mrs. Foley, he did it. And the hair's got those blonde streaks. That was because I was trying to bleach my hair to become the most dastardly heel that I could. Right. So... As you're watching, you just said a moment ago that this episode of Monday Night Raw is one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Until I showed up. Well, that's what I wanted then to Then I ask ruined everything. Because, man, it feels like they've got more and more momentum. And when it's time for the payoff, the ultimate heat, the reason to hate you is we really <laughs> wanted it and you took it from us. I took it from you. We baited you. Did you like that writing? Or did you feel like maybe this is... Because, listen, we've all heard... Uh, there's there's good heat, and then there's quote-unquote go-away heat. And for whatever reason, there are certain talents, like I never understood it, but several years ago online, there was this, oh, that guy had X-Pac heat. And I think now the internet has realized, hey, you know, if Sean Waltman was wrestling today, he might be champion. Yeah. Like, he's one of the all-time greats. Yeah. But for whatever reason, people would say X-Pac heat, and I never really understood that. But I do understand the genesis is good heat and go-away right. heat. Did you think? Man, this might be the wrong kind. I did. I, I, I'm going back now 25 years right. trying to put myself in that mental space. I have to think I realized what a great show it was yes. and that I was going to ruin it. Yes. And that people would not take kindly to the bait and switch. I mean, it was, yeah, I think in retrospect, they should have really delivered that night we we broke the 83 streak 83 yes. uh, week streak but then it would be a while before we got them again right well, yeah there's going to be some competition and yeah some back yeah. and forth and 
And, and what I want to remind everybody is the idea here is we're trying to draw money. And these days, Mick and I, we're trying to save money and we exactly. do it with rocket money. Rocket money is fantastic. I can't wait to brag about this because it has saved me and my wife a boatload of cash. Let me explain how. At the start of the pandemic, she and I signed up for, well, every sort of streaming service in the world. What we didn't realize is she signed up for Hulu at the same time I did. We watched TV together. We didn't need two Hulu subscriptions, but I didn't even know that was the case until I got Rocket Money. Once I got Rocket Money, I also realized I'm subscribed to DAZN. I'm wasting a whole bunch of cash and we all fall for this, right? Try it free for 30 days. Well, that's enough to try it and then completely forget about it. Yep. So like 80% of people wind up with subscriptions they forget about. I was wasting money and didn't even realize it. You may have been too. And do you know what those really cost? You might think, well, like my old cable bill, maybe it's $80 a month. It's actually probably closer to 200 and you might not know exactly what you're spending. That's the reason you need rocket money. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It's also going to monitor your spending, help you lower your bills. And it does all of this in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And any you don't want to pay for anymore, you just hit cancel. That's it. Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money can also help you manage your finances all in one place, automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time, and you'll even get alerted if anything looks off. So far, more than 3 million people have used Rocket Money, and they're saving the average person up to $720 why not do this? Save $720 a year. Are you kidding? Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions. Manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Foley. That's rocketmoney.com slash Foley. Rocketmoney.com slash Foley. Mick, you wouldn't happen to be legendary for trying to save money, would you? I believe I am. <laughs> I believe there are still legends told to this day. Check it out. Rocket money is going to save you some cash. Let's get back to our program here. You, uh, you're in the back, you're watching the show. You know, it's a good show. The crowd is hot. It's building, it's building. And this stage of your career, when you're taking a risk like this, you're in gorilla, you're in your full dude, love garb. You're waiting on your music to hit. You nervous? I don't know if a music hit that day. It did. It did. I, yeah, I would be really nervous, but I think everyone who has ever had to do a run-in has been nervous about it. Yeah. Uh, even if it's your your Royal Rumble entry, it's it's pretty nerve-wracking. I think that's a positive thing. There have been, uh, there, I guess there have been times when I haven't been as nervous, but anytime there's physicality and anytime, you know, the balance of the show uh, is, is, is waiting, something's hanging in the back. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I know we're going off the air. We have to go off the air hot. Stuff's got to look good. I didn't realize, I did realize on a certain level that I was ruining the perfect show, but I obviously was going to try to make my part as good as it could be. Your promo when you come out is a really good promo where you're going to ask, the dude wants to know, why can't we all just got to get along? I got a level with you, Philadelphia. The dude does not feel a whole lot of love out here tonight. Uh, and you talk about how close you are with Steve. But then you say, the dude's got a veto you putting this beat down on. Quote, oh, we're tight, Steve-O. About as tight as two cats can be. But you got to understand, Steve-O, Vince McMahon writes the checks that let the dude live the kind of life the dude likes to live. So I guess you could say, Uncle Vinny, you are my main man. 
So you're down here to save him because, well, you want to protect your lifestyle. So wait, I gave a promo. I didn't attack him first. Let me. No, you're talking. I'm talking. Okay. And uh, then, of course, <laughs> and I want you to remember one thing and remember it good. When you look at Stone Cold Steve Austin, you got your eyes set on the world's toughest SOB. And he can put you down on your A-double-S just like, and then Vince shoves you down on your ass. And it looks like. Oh, like he's upset with me yes. for ruining things. Yes. But we were in cahoots. And when you turn around, you lock the mandible claw in on Austin. Coots! The show goes off the air, having never seen Vince versus Austin. Uh, so but, I'm thinking to another episode of Raw where we went off hot and rolling yes. around and all that stuff. So you've got the mandible claw locked on him as the show goes off the air. And the fans worldwide were jacked because they wanted to see Austin versus Vince. They didn't get to see it. They sure did. Instead, they see Dude Love with a mandible claw. How are you feeling that night? I I, I can't remember. I mean, I was aware of the fact that I'd ruined a perfect show. I, I didn't. I think maybe I was going to wait until the next day to see the tale the ratings told. Well, the ratings are in. 4.6 for Monday Night Raw, 4.3 for Nitro. Meltzer would call it one of the best episodes of WWF television of all time. Meanwhile, Nitro was like a flat edition of Thunder. Um, and you wrote this in your book. Dude was even given his own Love Shack interview segment, which featured a pink shag rug, love beads, lava lamps, and new dudettes. <laughs> the dudettes seemed to be a different breed now. Gone was the innocence of old, replaced by the skimpiest of thong bikinis. True. Under those guidelines, my wife gracefully declined the company's invitation to resume <laughs> her role from the previous summer. Were you were you digging this this idea of having a love shack segment? I mean, you're a guy I who was. grew up with the Piper era. I was. I was. I guess there's a reason there was only one of them. There may have been two. I think I got my hair caught on the beads when I came out. And I was tr unusual for that time. I was given a word-for-word -word promo. Really? to memorize, and I don't think I was comfortable enough as heel dude to say, to say, hey, look, uh, just give me some bullet points. I think I can nail this thing. You felt like, hey, I need some help on this. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I wanted as much help as I was given. I got you. But I didn't feel like I should, I, for whatever reason, I did it word for word, and I think it kind of suffered a little bit. But I was still trying to get in my head what, an, uh, what a heel dude love would be. Uh, the next Monday Night Raw opens with Vince McMahon finding you $5,000 for what happened at the end of the previous Raw. Not quite leaning into yet yeah, that you're the guy. Uh, but as the show goes on, that will change. You're in the main event that night against Steve Blackman, barn burner anywhere in the country. <laughs> That's the main event? Yeah. And Vince McMahon is going to come to ringside to do commentary. And as your five-star classic is going on here with Steve Blackman, <laughs> JR is going to ask Vince point blank, how dude was qualified to be the number one contender <laughs> and Vince didn't really have an answer. The idea being the fix is in <laughs> JR is also going to point out that Earl Hebner is out of the hospital and is going to be available to referee at unforgiven. And Vince points out that he would be my ideal choice for a referee. In that <laughs> of course, we're talking about survivor series. 97. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> This is really some good stuff. This it is, is. Some good stuff. Just reading about it is some really good stuff. Did you know at this point, I mean, had you put together 
you know, I know that you wanted to be the top guy. And as you're laying there in real life, the night after WrestleMania 14, and they're not chanting for you, they're chanting for Steve. It does make sense to use that as motivation. And Hey, if you can't beat them, join them. I'll just be a heel. I'll be on the other side. But even there, it still feels like Vince is the number one heel. Sure. And you're, is that something that you are trying to process? Like, you had this dude love character established. Now we're going to try him as a heel and associate it with Vince. This feels challenging. Well, the whole thing was a challenge. We we did the dude love episode. We uh, we talked about the difficulty in having a pacifist <laughs> wrestler. Now you have a man who is a pacifist as a heel. It's weird. It's it's it. There were some wrinkles to be ironed out, but I really felt good. I mean, I'm, I'm Vince's guy, you know. So I felt good. I I never once I saw the Austin Rocket in mid-flight. I knew I wasn't going to be that guy. Like I, I was. So, very, so if you can't be that guy, stand across from him. Yeah, stand across from him. Do business with that guy. And I was overjoyed to be I was overjoyed to be given that nod, just like I had the year before after Undertaker um, won the title. I had his first uh, pay per view, yeah, uh, which is what Mister In Your House does. Of course. And uh, so I was overjoyed to be given the nod. And I was I was I didn't know exactly how to do it, but what was rewarding, Conrad, was seeing the improvement on a week to week basis. And throwing things in there. So, you know, dude, all right, people like that dude love. All right, now we ponytail it. The hair, you know, has got some aspects of blonde in it. You know, I'm wearing Vince's jacket because it did. It fit me good at that time. I've got the girls. I started realizing how to add some aggression into the mix as a heel. So it's pretty, I think it's pretty adventurous of WWE to be taking an unknown commodity yes. and putting him in there with the... Uh, the top guy in the company, but I guess it goes down to what Russo said after that first match exceeded expectations. Uh, Vince, it's Mick Foley. Like, he's going to find a way. And uh, I guess I, I usually did, I think, in that. No doubt. That, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Do you remember the ending of that match with Steve Blackman? It was a schmoz, right? So Steve, you, you lock him in the dreaded abdominal stretch, <laughs> and Vince demands they ring the bell immediately. So they're trying to just play off of Survivor Series 97, which we've covered on this program right. before. That You're the only guy who really protested and didn't come to work yeah. as a result of that. And now a handful of months later, it's part of the story. Right. What did you think of that creative? I, look, I was okay with it. Uh, Brett landed on – I mean, Brett, you, the, that really hurt the situation in Montreal, hurt Brett for a long time. Um. But I, yeah, I guess I was okay with it and um, had had some fun with it as well. And then, and a few months later, Survivor Series '98, you know, we, unbelievable story. Yeah, we do the storyline that couldn't have been told without the Montreal screw job. As uh, Austin is watching all of this, he catches on for what McMahon's doing, and he storms the ring. As he promised earlier in the show, he shoves McMahon, throws him to the ground, and then you attack Austin. Austin hits you with a stunner. McMahon's going to bail. And JR closes the show by asking, is McMahon going to screw dude love out of the title this Sunday on pay-per-view? I'm sure he meant Steve Stumble. Austin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though Austin defending against dude love isn't creating instant images of box office hysteria, 
The storyline that McMahon will be at ringside has promised a catastrophic occurrence might tempt fans to order the event to see if McMahon, this time as part of the storyline, flexes his promoter's muscle, so to speak, and screws McMahon out of the title, just like he did to Bret Hart. Ironically, the same week McMahon, for storyline purposes, admitted to screwing Bret simultaneously on Nitro, Bret was screwing Randy Savage out of the WCW title and helping Hogan get the pin to regain the belt. What goes around comes around. It's interesting that we're both leaning into that. Those, of course, are are Wade Keller's words, but, you know, now the match is set. Fans kind of have an expectation. You're going into it, and it feels as if there's some Survivor Series shenanigans afoot. Are you pretty confident after this segment we're going to be able to pull this off? I mean, this is Austin's first big pay-per-view title. Yeah, I I was not 100%. Sure, that I could pull it off. Like, like it's just alluded to the challenges. Pacifist wrestler yes. uh, leaning on his uh, knowledge of five languages, lover of women, leader of men. Um, I wasn't sure how that was going to play. I do believe that by the standards of the time, that in your house did a pretty good rating. Yes. Do, do you have the numbers there? We're going to get there. Okay. I, uh, it's a real test, though, because I just want everybody to remember, this company was really built, and their pay-per-view model was built on Hogan, a babyface champion, just slaying monsters, right. one after another, big behemoth. And that was when there was only four. 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 And now we've got to do them every month. And we have a babyface champion again, whereas everybody else historically would have a heel champion and lots of babyfaces chasing. Yeah. We've got a baby face, and we're going to have to start finding monsters for him. And the first one is maybe <laughs> the, least the most monstrous. interesting. Yes, like <laughs> the lovable dude love character. So it feels like a risk, but it is a great story. Nitro does beat Raw that night. I don't think that really matters. You're not working any house shows between that Raw and Unforgiven in, in Greensboro. Is that something you would have liked to have done as work as a heel dude love to Figure that out as far as the inner because beforehand you were doing a lot of baby yeah, face stuff. A lot. Yeah, doing it up. I was doing it up, brother. I believe there's even a T-shirt. There is. Doing it up. I'm doing it up. I want the world to. I'm. That's another Diana Ross. Forgive me, but I'm going to do it up. I love to it. music. One of these days. Um, I was. Yeah, I was. I was really concerned about how things would go. Um. I remember throwing a bunch of things at the wall and talking to Steve, seeing what might work and what might not work. And uh, I, proof's in the pudding, brother. It was, a good, it was a good match. Before we get to the match and all that, the pay-per-view is uh, going down in Greensboro. That, of course, is Ric Flair country. Mm-hmm. On the other channel, there's been some real problems with Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair in real life. Rick had missed a Thunder show because he wanted to go watch Reed compete in an amateur wrestling event at a state level, and or maybe it was a national level. Either way, it was something that Rick had requested the time off for. Bischoff's office said, nope, he didn't ask for the time off, and we've had enough. We need to set an, We need to make an example out of someone. And that someone wound up being Rick Flair. So this story goes around that perhaps Rick Flair was circling the building that night in Greensboro, and on the phone with WWE folks, WWF at the time, saying, hey, I've got my son with me. Why don't I sit in the front row and you guys introduce a great wrestling champion sitting ringside, and it's Reed, not me, but I'm there. 
this is the height maybe of the Monday Night War because you guys have just won for the first yeah. time. So now there is this renewed sense of competition. Even if the P&L show, you're both just crushing and selling out everywhere. Do you remember When do you remember hearing the Ric Flair might be here story? That night. Really? I did, it was that line about a great wrestling champion. Yes. Uh, that, that was the one that rang the bell for me. Just that night. So it was it it had that little bit of a feeling like an invasion angle. Like anything could happen. Yeah, anything could happen. It certainly would have been fun. Uh, I think we would have welcomed that. Yeah. I think dude would have played off Rick pretty well, you know? Uh it did not happen though, right? It did not happen. Okay. And I'm curious about the thing that did happen that night because this feels like it would have been a match that you would have been involved in, but you weren't. The first ever Inferno match in the WWE <laughs> where they're going to run gas lines around yeah. the outside of the ring. They're going to have Gerald Briscoe turning it up and turning it down. I've talked to our, our personal friend Kane before, and he told me he had no chance to practice that <laughs> because their limo driver went to the wrong town the night before. They were supposed to walk through it. So he's seeing it for the first time day of. This is a first in WWE were you disappointed you weren't involved in the first fire match? Wow. Look, I never liked the fire. You know, I did it. Um, I never felt comfortable with it. After the ECW incident, which we'll talk about yeah, another, time, another time, were you gunshot from then on about working with fire? Um, I mean, we know you had a big WrestleMania moment with fire as well. So fire. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought it had a time and a place, right. you know? I mean, that Kane's character, sure. you know, was, he rose from the, you know, there was the fire incident and the killing of the uh, uh, parent, right? Who, yeah. who died in the fire? The Kane? His whole uh, family. Whole family. Yeah, and that's after Paul diddled Kane's mom, as you recall. <laughs> hey, so... Uh, she did. I mean, he did. Uh, Naked Mind Yoga Plus Pilates is a brand new fitness and wellness studio owned and founded by Brandy Rhodes. The physical studio in Roswell, Georgia offers yoga and Pilates reformer classes plus childcare for clients all under one roof. That is truly unique. And it makes Naked Mind the only yoga or Pilates studio of its kind in the entire Atlanta area. For those of you who aren't local to the Atlanta area, Naked Mind has an app. You can get moving with yoga and Matt Pilates classes led by Brandy and a hand-picked group of established yoga and Pilates instructors. It's a fantastic way to try yoga and get into a new fitness and wellness program. Yoga is good for the mind and the body making it one of the leading wellness practices in the world today. You can find the Naked Mind app on Apple and Android devices and enjoy $10 off your first month or retail when you use the code CONRAD10. Naked Mind plus Pilates online at NakedMindStudio.com. That's NakedMindStudio.com. Um, OCD, right? Right. Legendarily so. Lots of shower time. Three-hour shower, the baby oil within a plastic baggie, within another plastic but within about 17 baggies. He, he one time took a three-hour shower, slipped, went down to one knee, and went back in the shower for another three hours. Because his knee was dirty. His knee was dirty. So he was a guy with some compulsive behavior. On a tour of Austria... Mike thought you could do the same gimmick with their adult-oriented programming that you could do in the United States at that time, which was watch, there was like a five-minute window. Oh. And as long as you switched 
before the five minute window. You wouldn't be charged. You wouldn't be charged. So you just had to be fast. But in Austria, he was charged. Every time. 63 times. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So he comes out to the bus with a bill that it unrolls like a sacred scroll. It's like, and it's just Mike Sharp being charged 10 or $15 every three and a half minutes. And it was, it was, oh, tremendous. I mean, yeah. over $1,000. Over that, yeah, probably up there. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. Man, why not try Blue Chew free? Use our promo code Foley. <laughs> Man. Uh, and by the way, there's websites out there. You don't have to pay anymore. Just throwing it out there. Uh, so listen, this Unforgiven 1998 show, uh, we've got this Inferno match. <laughs> what do you think of the execution of that? Like, you're can't, a hardcore wrestler from I can't back. remember. Okay. I, honestly, I can't remember. I thought it was, it did the job. Yeah. You know, it did the job. I think, you, you know. <sighs> did you think they asked Kane too much? Hey, put this sleeve on. We're going to set it on fire. It'll be fine. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, man, that's. I can't imagine when you signed up and you went into Mr. Danucci's school the first time. He's like, Son, today I'm a boy. We're going to set you on fire, <laughs> my boy. We're going to burn you up. Not for Well, look, real. if you have to do it, uh, trust me, when I was doing m- my fire incidents in Japan and ECW, there was no stunt coordinator. None. None. Just figure it out. You figure it out. Uh, I mean, they have that stuff down. And uh, as evidenced by when Edge and I did our match at Mania, even though we were not technically on fire, about five guys with fire extinguishers came over just to make sure. Like, they're going to play it really safe. I'm sure if Kane had that sleeve that it had been checked out and approved and, uh, and that they had the safety mechanisms, God forbid something goes wrong, that it would be taken care of very quickly. Have you seen the tapes from FMW where they set the ropes on fire oh, yeah, and nobody crazy. could breathe and yeah. they had to bail? Yeah, and that's when uh, uh, the original Sabu. Sheik yeah, yeah. Was, was really badly hurt because he couldn't get out of the ring. Yeah, Everyone else was able to bail out under the rope, but by the time Sheik came around to it, you know, those flames, and they were just overwhelming. He spent weeks in a hospital in Japan for severe burns. Not only is it hot because it's fire, it's also you can't breathe. Right. I mean, that's something yeah. worth mentioning. Like, that's even right. with Undertaker and Kane here, Kane specifically is wearing a mask, and it's, they're big boys with long hair. Right. And, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would gather, I would guess that their gear is highly flammable. I mean, my goodness. They, you know, they put the gel on it. I don't know what was done, but I'm sure those guys were taking It's a risky proposition. It's a risky proposition, and you're the first people doing it. So there's and no there's, like yeah, and there's a history. I was joking around with uh, uh, my daughter when I went down to visit her about the fire incidents and the lawsuit that we had against us, and that I'm listening as our side of the story, maybe leading people to believe that fire is very safe and that no one has ever been hurt, and I'm waiting for the prosecuting attorney to. <laughs> have a similar scroll of names of people who have been hurt playing with fire. And I also mentioned that as the ECW became more and more popular, the guardrails moved closer and closer in to accommodate more people. So there were times when there was about 18 inches 
if you go back and you watch the the cactus elbow, I had to start dropping it like in different parts of the venue because you couldn't get any distance whatsoever. Right. You'd be more or less just be like this and just you know, leaning in and falling down because we were trying to get more people in the building. So there had been danger for sure and sure. people had been injured for sure. And that's a serious point, you know. I'm, I, I expect and suspect that they were well taken care of, but uh, any fire is probably too much fire in a wrestling match. I just find it interesting that they, even though they initially agree to your crazy WrestleMania ideas of yeah. this death match at the, at the Double Cross Ranch, we're not going to do that. Instead, one month later, we're going to surround the ring with fire and let guys wrestle with a sold-out building. <laughs> like, that feels like one's way more dangerous and risky than the other, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the other one's not mania. Right. And also, the the death match we proposed probably would have been extremely bloody, whereas with the, the fire, you know, that, you don't have to do that. Yeah, that aspect's not there. And it was interesting. No one had ever seen it. Uh, I don't think it resulted in a great match. It's really hard no, no. in those confines to have a great match, but it was definitely interesting. Oh, it was. It was a spectacle. And speaking of spectacles, we saw one recently, at least I online. Thought, oh, I thought we had a new eyeglass. Oh, sponsor. yeah, we'll do okay. that next okay. week. Uh, I wanted to get your take on Onita. He recently wrestled again against Joey Janela over in Japan. Really? And they used an electrified bat. And Anita takes the big swing and nails uh, Joey, and boom, huge explosion. Of course, Joey sustains some arms, uh, some burns to his arm. And uh, a lot of wrestlers in this generation, and even myself, we grew up in the tape trading era. So the idea that we could see some of the stuff you did in 95 and then some of the other craziness that happened in Big Japan and, and FMW and all of those exploding deathmatch concepts and we've seen in recent years that become more and more in fashion. A few years ago, they had that rather regrettable exploding death match on pay-per-view for sure. AEW. But still, Onita doing his thing over in Japan, I'm sure the the fan in Joey Janela was thrilled to have yeah, that opportunity. Sure. But I don't think a lot of fans who maybe grew up watching you on the WWF, maybe they understand it. Could you understand why a guy who grew up doing it? Because to me, that that could be like, Joey doing the super fly splash off a cage, right? Like that's what it was. To yeah, me. sure. Sort yeah, that'd thing. be a big honor. I gotta be honest. I'm a little hurt that uh, my phone didn't ring. At least putting the offer out there. Um, I can't do much anymore. Uh, I am uh, retired. I don't count the little uh, altercation I had with Frank the Clown a couple years ago as a match. Sure. I don't count what uh, Steve, me, Steve, and. Um, uh, or what Steve, uh, Shawn Michaels, and I did at WrestleMania 2016 as a match. So my last match, you have to go back to 2012, which is Royal Rumble, and before that, last real match match was against Ric Flair in TNA. Yeah. So that was a good way to go out. That was a, that was a really good, uh, hard-fought, really, I think, impressive match. But, uh, you know, you can work around your weaknesses, and it might have given me reason to drop some of this weight that I put on post-pandemic and have kept hanging on. We need to bring scale. Let's do it. Scale. Yes. Okay. So we're going to be doing Holy a few weight things. Loss challenge. The weight loss challenge. It's up there. I had a physical. Uh, uh, it's up there. It's unhealthy up there. So I need encouragement from my listeners 
to root me on to victory. I got to get under three bills. So you're saying if you get under three bills, you'll set Joey on fire? Yeah, sure. I love it. That was, <laughs> hey, you're welcome, Brett. Uh, from your book, you wrote, the pay-per-view match was a tremendous success, both artistically and financially. Ooh. I actually had a great deal of doubt leading up to this match. I wasn't quite sure how to keep dude in character while go. at the same time making him seem like a threat to the Federation champion. I even dare, dyed my hair a little to try to alter the dude's mm -hmm. persona. I found out later that even the office had reservations about this matchup. I mean, is it just because it's such an unconventional character and concept? I mean, the writing is good. Yeah. Did the office tell you what their hesitation was? I, I mean, eventually, bro, bro. He was, I, I just, dude was by far the least impressive of the three. And like I said, the challenge is how do you take away someone's aggression or even desire to compete or inflict damage on a fellow human being and still make him a formidable bad guy. So uh, we figured it out though, figured it out. I had a lot of hesitation. There's a lack of top heels really at the company. Um, Let's, let's talk about what Wade wrote. Steve Austin came out to a huge pop. He grabbed the timekeeper and bell ringer, Mark Eaton, at uh, ringside and dragged him into the ring. Then he asked him if McMahon told him to ring the bell on Raw last week. Of course, Mark told, was belie uh, believably nervous and said he rang it when he was supposed to. And Austin told him if McMahon screws him out of the title, after he finishes up beating McMahon up and down the aisle, he's going to beat him up. So you've got a choice to make, your job or your life. Whoa. I like that. that sort of sets the precedent right up front. But it's interesting because they have him come out first. I guess it's because they had to do that. Then Vince comes out. Of course, he's got the Stooges with him. And McMahon starts saying something catastrophic is going to happen here tonight. <laughs> that could mean anything. Um, he tells the crowd that his mother had the pleasure of giving birth to him in Pinehurst, North Carolina. <laughs> That's kind of nice to be back home. I love that. He said it would be beneath his dignity to respond to accusations that he's going to screw Stone Cold out of the title, uh, but he would accept no responsibility if Stone Cold screws Stone Cold, like, you know, Brett screwed Brett. And, uh, At this point, Vince has rapidly become one of the Mr. best McMahon. orators. Yeah, he's really nailed this Mr. McMahon character. As soon as he says that about Stone Cold Screw Stone Cold, JR on commentary says, yeah, that time-honored tradition or something like that. <laughs> um, and then you guys get going. 18 minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, Dude Love's going to get the win by DQ because Austin is going to hit Vince McMahon with a chair. And as the match was first starting, JR said he couldn't believe a wrestling executive once said that Austin wouldn't make it wearing black tights. What a dummy, Jr. said, which I think is fun. Nice yeah, little shot is. at Bischoff. Uh, about three minutes and ten seconds in, you're brawling onto the music stage, and Austin throws you off the stage, and you take a huge bump to the floor. Uh, Wade would write devastating right? looking, but he got up. Um, listen, I'm not saying this to be funny. How does one get thrown off a stage safely? Uh, you know, this is where <clears throat> the common wisdom is you try to disperse as much of yes. the blow as you can across as much of the area. But with a hip toss, you don't want to land flat on your back. So I would always 
cheat a little bit towards, usually the right hip took the brunt of the blow, and that was where the right hip was always taking the brunt of the, brunt of the blow on the elbows, and that's why I've got a metal one now, and a metal knee, largely because of the decision to land on the right side of my body. Uh, it hurt. I mean, it hurts, it hurts. It's bone-jarring stuff that hurts deep down for several days, yeah. You've talked to us a lot about, what is it you always call it, the risk... Risk-reward ratio analysis? Yes, the Foley. Yeah, yeah Foley risk instantaneous yes. risk-reward ratio analysis. And you've, and you've talked about uh, chair shots. Yeah. And, of course, the Internet is hot to trot since we've learned about CTE. Don't do head shots. But you've said, I can block some of that with my hand. And, yeah. and you've showed us the magic of how that happens. Is there one thing, if you could look back and say, because I know these days a lot of veterans say, oh, you guys got to change your style up. You're never going to be have longevity, blah, blah, blah. Same thing they said to you. You got to stop taking these risks, yada, yada. If there's one you had to get back, like we've heard over the years, perhaps the leg drop is the worst thing Hulk Hogan could have done. Yeah, Because yep. it caused all that spinal sure, damage. Yep. That he didn't know at the time. And we wouldn't have known because you would have thought, you know, you can even have It looks fun. safe. It looks safe. It doesn't look devastating. Yes. But for a guy that size to be dropping from a de decent height, he got some height on that, with one leg slightly higher right. than the other. Compressing the spine Compressing every time. the spine, yeah. So I, I guess what I want to ask is, would one of your, like, hey, guys, tell your stories, do your matches, but if you can, the concrete ain't your friend. Would that right. make the list or no? What would make the list is the elbows I dropped in small towns with no television cameras. That cl that should have been a TV only move, and I should have you know, and I should have thrown up the hand far more often. You know, when someone was taking the baseball swing, and I don't know if anyone else was taking baseball swings because I did have the ability to uh, you know to get that thing up in time. Not that I'm going to compare my wrestling to the running of Gale Sayers, the great Chicago Bear. But I was just watching last night. Uh, he grew up a huge Bears fan, you know, with the Butkus poster over my wall. And so when I saw something pop up on YouTube after I'd done a cameo video, it was about Butkus and Gale Sayers, nine minutes, and just a, a, unbelievable. And Sayers said he had, yeah, he worked hard, but he did have some God-given gifts, and one of them was the peripheral vision allowed him to almost see everyone who was out there anticipate people. And you'd see he'd make cuts that he should have no earthly idea how to make because he didn't have eyes in the back of his head. But he felt like that sense was something that was a, a gift that was his. In the same way, I think that eye-hand coordination and the ability to get that hand just... So it wasn't like this. I mean, that thing, that stuff was quick. You know, you look at the match I had with uh, Vader at Halloween um, uh, Havoc, and that is one of the most devastating baseball swings I've ever seen. And I was able to get the hand up just in the nick of time. So that was something of a gift I had. Uh, and now I'll segue over to the Walter Payton highlights I was seeing right after that. When you ask about things that should have, you know, been ixnayed or, or used in moderation, there's a whole lot of Payton flying over the top of the pile. And you can see that he would usually try to land on his right shoulder and roll, but there was one where he just got 
like pile driven. Straight down. And I was like, oh, I don't feel good about seeing that on a highlight reel because we're ooing and eyeing, and that might, you know, Walter was struggling with CTE. Yeah. Uh, so much so, you know, that he, you know, I think even when he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he spent a lot of time by himself. He didn't want to see people, and I've been through that. But if you took, point being, if you took that aspect of Walter Payton away and you took Walter Payton's tendency to encourage hits before he went down instead of avoiding them, he would have been healthier, but he would not have been Walter Payton. That's right. So I could have done things that were healthier, but then I'm not the guy who got to the dance. You know, those were the things that brought me there. So I wish I had, the two answers would be, the two things I wish I'd done. I wish I had not dropped elbows on the concrete uh, in non-televised matches and used it less on TV also. And I wish I'd brought up the hand because some of the best, perf I, there was no correlation to me between guys who blocked or did not block chair shots and guys who got over big time. Right. Because the guys who were the biggest stars in the business did block the chairs and no one thought any less of them. There you go, boys and girls. Concrete does not know how to work. Yep, um, seven minutes and 30 seconds in, dude and Austin uh, are, are still wrestling here. There's a full body chin lock on, and that's when Vince McMahon <laughs> walks to the ring. He's got Briscoe and Patterson with him. This is really, you know, this month, April of 1998, is sort of the unofficial birth of the Stooges. Yeah. And it's fun to think about because at the time I thought, man, those guys are old. And now I realize. Hunter's actually older than Briscoe was there. And I don't think of him as old, which I guess means I'm getting old. <coughs> what do you think of the job that Briscoe and Patterson did? Are we going to throw Slaughter in there as one of the Stooges? I mean, might as well. He right? was the third Stooge. Yeah. But uh, Patterson and Briscoe were phenomenal. Yes. I mean, look, you don't make it into a Foley children's book unless you are, uh, you are, your gimmick got over with me. Yes. So in Tales from Rusco Lane, there is, oh, he took a right at a Christmas shop called Scrooge's up ahead, a sign proclaimed Spook House of the Stooges. So Jill Thompson, who does my, did my artwork on four of my children's books, she reads, she, you know, she reads it, and what she comes up with is just ingenious because in the spook house, there are <laughs> ghosts of Patterson and Briscoe wrestling in evening gowns, which is a testament to her imagination and her artwork. And then best yet, and I, I know we, it's hard to put this in post, right? I don't know if we can oh, no, put this in post. When the cars leave the spook house, they're exiting through Gerald Briscoe's mouth and she just nails it like she's got the 1950s astronaut haircut the kind of you know jerry's teeth were a little bit they had some space between them and he had that big smile that big goofy grin and it's just an incredible way for a, a car to enter exit a fun house sure al snow by the way is selling it big time you know and and the moral of the story or from there, you know, I embrace Al. We go on the smaller rides, and uh, all is good in Resco Lane. Uh, but this goes. By the way, do people like our tangents? Can we? Yes. They do like the tangents. It's, it's, okay. it's uniquely Foley. Okay. All right. Good, because we go. We do go off on them. Yeah. Here, and I think they're fun. 
But in answer to your question, tremendous. And I loved working with those guys. That was a highlight of my time as commissioner was getting to play off those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved it. I just thought, I Pat and, and Briscoe, and to a lesser extent, because he wasn't as involved, Slaughter. Yeah. Um, Slaughter was interesting because he had been the huge star yes. only 10 years earlier. And so it wasn't like you didn't have to remind people that Pat Patterson won the first IC championship in a non-existent tournament in Rio de Janeiro. I mean, he's seven years here removed from main eventing WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. Slaughter, I mean. Yeah, right, That's right. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Only seven years earlier, and now he's one of the Stooges. Yeah. So I don't think he took to it. Uh, he didn't He didn't take to it as readily as the other two guys did. Sure. But I still love playing off Sarge, but not as much as I did Briscoe. Uh, of or course, Pat. as we see, uh, the camera catches this. McMahon is looking at the bell ringer and smiling, and, of course, he's smiling back. Austin, Austin notices that McMahon is now at ringside, leans over the top rope to yell at him, and that's when you roll him up for a believable near fall. And um, McMahon leaps up during the two count, excited at the possibility of the pinfall. <laughs> this is all written by Wade, of course. At 11 and a half minutes, McMahon walks over to Austin, who's laid out on the floor in the aisleway. He taunts him verbally. Austin begins tacking, attacking or backing McMahon towards the locker room which gives dude a chance to nail Austin from behind and McMahon's gloating. So this is really the first time that McMahon has been involved in one of your matches. Mm -hmm. And he is certainly, he knows what he's doing as a, as a businessman and as a writer and as a promoter and a booker or whatever you want to call it. But in terms of the guy actually being out here, a part of it. Is this something you guys would have walked through before earlier in the day just to I get him comfortable? Or does everybody trust, hey, he's been around it enough. He uh, knows. He gets it. I don't think we did much walking around. Uh, he was going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to get it. And now as as I'm listening to how Ray, Wade wrote about it, it is more than a wrestling match. It's a story. It's, it's a passion play. Yes. Yeah, it is definitely a story. A story, very story-driven match. Well, eventually, at 13 minutes and 40 seconds, you get that dreaded abdominal stretch. <laughs> and I know people are laughing at that like you are, but that was the finish to Monday Night Raw when Vince called for the bell. So yeah. now we've conditioned yes. fans yes. to think, oh, this could be This it. is the sharpshooter. This, this is dude's sharpshooter. sharpshooter, yeah. And, and McMahon starts signaling for the bell to be wrong. And Austin quickly reverses the stretch, which causes McMahon to frantically wave off the order. No, 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 not now. Never mind, which is great. The bell doesn't ring, and then eventually Austin is going to suplex you onto the stairs. Um, and then you're going to try to run from Austin. You're going to jump over the railing, and Austin's going to chase you, throw you back over the railing on the uh, ringside area. And then back in the ring, you take over. And in 16 minutes, you start signaling for that sweet chin music. <laughs> Austin, shin, shin. Austin blocks it, goes for the stunner, but you're going to clothesline the ref Ooh. when Austin ducks. And now he starts pummeling you with punches, uh, and you've applied your own mandible claw. And uh, it's written here, McMahon could barely control his excitement at ringside. Austin, though, punched his way out of the claw. Is this the first time somebody, I mean, on pay-per-view, it feels like, well, if Mick gets the claw, that's it. 
This might be one of the first times on pay-per-view someone fought out of the claw. I don't know. and it's, I'm wondering why. Originally called the Love Handle. Which is a great name. Great name. All we time. stopped using it when I was a babyface after that first month. and went with the sweet shin music, with the double-arm DDT, setting it up. But, I mean, I need some off. I don't have a lot of offense. No. None of my characters did. And this was a time-tested move. Now, once I start doing like uh, independent shows as a troubleshooting guy at rings, enforcer or the referee, the mandible claw became the five-second pop that would always be interrupted. There'd always be somebody pulling me outside. So I went like 10 years without actually winning without the mandible claw doing what it was supposed to be. Do. But at this point in 80, 98, yeah, it was, uh, I needed that. That was my heavy ammo. So uh, eventually you're going to go for um, another mandible claw. Somewhere along the way, McMahon is trying to revive the referee. Uh, when you try to like finally go for that third one, Austin's going to backdrop you over the top rope to the floor, and that leads Vince to pick up a chair. And Austin's going to try to wrestle the chair away. And then Austin hits you. You get the chair and you charge him. He lifts his elbow, knocks the chair back into your own face. Uh, and then he's nailing you with the chair. McMahon is trying to help you up to your feet. Austin's going to swing a chair. When he's swinging at you, he's looking at McMahon. And, um, yeah, McMahon doesn't blink, twitch, or move for the rest of the event. Austin gives uh, dude the stunner in the ring and covers him. The ref is still knocked out. Austin counts three on his own. The fans pop. The music starts to play. He grabs his belt, and he walks to the back, holding it in the air. Meanwhile, paramedics are tending to McMahon, putting on his, quote-unquote, Long Island neck brace. <laughs> but this is an interesting finish because there's no official word because the bell keeper's in on it, and the referee's unconscious, and now Vince is being stretchered out. Uh, what do you remember when it's all said and done, Austin's music playing and the crowd is with it? Do you feel a sense of accomplishment? Like yeah, yeah. I was going to say relief, relief and accomplishment. And uh, Vince, this is one where I did hit him with the chair? Uh, yes. Vince was like, he was really excited. It was for his first chair. And this sounds strange. I don't want people experimenting with steel chairs on their own. But as anyone can attest who's ever hit a, a baseball with a wooden bat, there are better places. It's a sweet spot. Yes. So as somebody who's taken some BP in Major League batting cages, you know, without batting gloves, if you don't hit it on the sweet spot, it jars your hands. You know, it can really make them ache that next day if you're not used to it. Uh, but I hit Vince as perfectly as you could. The sweet spot where it actually hurts less than it otherwise might so the perfect chair shot will hurt less than if you catch somebody to the side. Or I think we're going to talk. Um, is it dead center? Is that the sweet spot? It's dead, yeah, dead center. So uh, I think we're going to talk about, uh, was it the rematch? I can't remember. Uh, the one where I was dancing on stage with uh, oh, yeah. Vince, Mr. McMahon and the dude uh, Lovettes that I had uh, 27 stitches from a Terry Funk chair shot where I was caught by the lip. And I just, I posted a photo uh, a couple of, uh, last week on uh, Facebook where I saw a good friend of mine, dear friend, going all the way back to middle school. And we contrasted a photo of me showing her the script for the loved one 
home movie we were going to make. Okay. And then juxtapose that with a similar thing, but instead of showing her script, we're looking at a menu 39 years later. And I remember, I, and I even wrote in it, yeah, I used to stay with her and her husband all the time, but that one day I called up and I was like, listen, I should probably get a hotel room. I just got 27 stitches and I don't want to get blood on your pillows because that's the type of house guest I am. Well, look at you being so considerate. Um, something that Wade points out here that I want to bring up is, you know, when we're putting Vince in this neck brace and stretching him out, this is happening just days after a real life situation happened with Buff Bagwell on the other channel. Ooh. So this pay-per-view is on a Sunday. That was Thursday thunder. Steiner comes off the top rope to bulldog buff and buff's head slips out. Buff's head hits Steiner's back. That's a very real circumstance. Yeah. They, they just put a pause in the show for a bit while they try to tend to him. And now a few days later, we're doing a neck brace and a stretcher job. That's That was always going to be part of the story, but in hindsight, should it have changed or was it yeah. necessary for the story? I wasn't even thinking along those lines. Um, yeah, it probably should have been tweaked a little bit. He could have been helped to the back by two guys, you know. Yeah. That one, uh, yeah, that wasn't, we should have made a change there. Uh, Wade would say Austin is pretty much back to the level he was before his injury and dude took some awesome bumps that fit into the context of the storyline of the match. The finish also fit well into the ongoing Austin McMahon soap opera without hurting Mick Foley, who apparently will be getting rematches against Austin three and three quarter stars. Um, did you think, I mean, were you proud of this match yeah. or was this just another one? No, no, I was really proud of it because it was a definite hurdle. It was uh, out it was of my comfort challenge. zone, new challenge. I remember uh, there was a message my wife wanted me to call. Steve had called the house, so I, I called. I didn't get Steve, but I got uh, Jeannie. And she's just, she told me that Steve was really happy with the match, with the rating that came in. And I remember going, Steve has so much respect for you which really meant a lot because he was clearly the top guy in the company. He was taking us to places we never, none of us had ever been before. Uh, so it did stand out as being something that I was very proud of and very happy with. All right, listen up. We've got great news. We're excited to announce a new affiliate partnership with Fanatics and the WWE Shop. It's an easy way to support your favorite podcast. Shop official WWE gear and apparel by using our special URL, shopwrestlingmerch.com. That's shopwrestlingmerch.com. Or if you're watching along with us on YouTube, just hit that QR code that's up on the screen right now and check out the description below for the link. We'll have it up on all of our socials as well. But you can shop with confidence for your favorite WWE superstar tees, hoodies, caps, championship belts, and more with the WWE shop. And don't forget to use our special link, shopwrestlingmerch.com. Not only do we get some great deals and some great swag, but it's also an easy way to support the show. That's shopwrestlingmerch.com. Talk about how you're feeling on the other side of this. You wrote in your book, as it turned out, all our feels were quickly, all our fears were click, quickly, easy for me to say, relieved. Austin and I tore the house down. Yeah. Vince was simply hilarious in his role as the crooked boss who was looking for any opportunity to screw the rattlesnake <laughs> out of the gold. His facial expressions, with the exception of the bobbing Adam's apple during times of fear, are the mm. best in the business. At the end of the match, dude was down and out. As the concerned McMahon tried in vain to lift his 300 pounds off the ground, Austin wielded a chair, which was supposedly meant for dude, but strayed about two feet and caught the evil Vince square in the head. 
Vince went down to the delight of the fans, but the bell was rung immediately. So this was Steve hitting. Swinging the chair. I think I must have swung the chair the next month. I got you. Okay. Okay. Um, A dude had won. Dude had won. In the words of Owen Hart, I did it. I'm a winner. Woo! Unfortunately, the belt can't change hands on a DQ. So, uh, still, though, I mean, listen, this is. Uh, it's not WrestleMania. That got eight hundred and nine thousand buys, but it is an all-time in-your-house record. You got to feel good about that. Because in-your-houses were usually two hundred or less, right? In yeah, that, they were small in that vicinity. I mean, if you got a, a one hundred and something, nobody was upset, right? But to go over three hundred is a big doggone deal. And I'm curious, do you remember this as being one of your better payoffs at this point in WWE? I mean, the company's hotter than ever. I don't. I'm, I know you got bigger ones later. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I heard the question. No, I don't remember it being very. Really? No, not particularly. That's interesting to me because <laughs> we, we hear that the business is hotter than ever and sold out crowd and set it in your house record. And I had, I was still in my just happy to be here. I got you. Um, but I know, I mean, I, I spoke up on certain things, but I didn't start complaining. You can ask JR about this because I did, I won't say complain, but. I did protest. State your case. Stated my case several times after that, at least uh, probably half a dozen times. But I don't think it was a particularly big payoff, and I don't think I was upset about it. Um, were you excited to continue the story oh, after this yeah. one? Yeah. Now I was into it. Now I uh, I felt comfortable. I had confidence. And, uh, and also I think the next match was playing more to my strengths with a, a gimmick uh, gimmick. Old false count anywhere match. Next week we're going to, um, or next month rather, we're going to continue the story because we're going to talk about Over the Edge and the rematch here. But in the meantime, we've got some fun episodes. We'll be talking about uh, Lockdown 2009 soon. We're going to defeat Sting to win the TNA title. You even wrote a book about it. Yep. Uh, we'll even talk about Owen Hart, and uh, we'll even open up the. Uh, the show to our fans here and our listeners. We'll do an Ask Mick Anything. And then we'll talk about when Cactus Gets Extreme, some time where you spent some time in ECW. And, of course, we know next week you'll be in uh, McAllen, Texas, for the South Texas Comic Con. I think that uh, is available now at SouthTexasComicCon.com. And we know this weekend you're here in Huntsville at the Von Braun Center. If you're within driving distance of Huntsville, come see Mick this weekend. HSVExpo.com is where you can pick up your tickets. HSVExpo.com. He's there today, tomorrow, and Sunday. And speaking of Sunday, next Sunday, A&E's Most Wanted Treasures. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, you're really excited about this. I really am. You're proud of this. I re- I'm really proud of it. I think we have put together something really special. There was... A lot of, I thought, great chemistry and camaraderie with me and Booker and Lita. And I I think, I mean, you know, everyone's got strengths and weaknesses. I think my rapport with the the other uh, WWE superstars and, and with the collectors, was uh, was I, I, yeah I think it would this show really played to my strengths. I can't wait to watch it, and I can't wait for you to see all the shirts we've got over at FoleyIsPodShirts.com. <laughs> of course, we've got the now infamous Mister In Your House shirt. Oh, we've proven one. that here yeah. again today. Oh, Set yeah. the dog on record. It's one thing to hear the show; it's another to watch it. Check us out on YouTube, Foley on YouTube.com. Love to have your interaction as well on social media at FoleyIsPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can catch uh, Mick over on Instagram at Real Mick Foley, 
And uh, I feel like we should mention before we get out of here that each and every day, you and I start our day with a little Athletic Greens. Talk to me about what you think about Athletic Greens. I, I really like the Athletic Greens. I, I probably take it about half of the days. Uh, but I always pack the, I always pack the packets uh, when I go on the road. Tastes good. Uh, you don't need a blender. I usually just do the little fold it and pour it into a, you know, you get a little bit of the green debris and I'm the type of guy who cleans up before, even before the uh, housekeeping comes. So you, sure. it's gonna be a little bit of green debris. And, it's, and it tastes good. Or you can add it to if you're drinking smoothies or anything like that. Um, I just, I really like it. It's filled with great nutrients. And it gives me a base of healthy eating. There you go. On which I can then expand and do terrible things to my body. <laughs> well, to your point, it's <laughs> lifestyle friendly. Whether you're doing keto or paleo or vegan or dairy or gluten-free, this checks all the boxes. There's less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs. There's no nasty chemicals. There's no artificial anything, but somehow, man, it still tastes good. It's going to support better sleep quality and recovery, better mental clarity and alertness. And you might be thinking to yourself, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens, literally everything you need to start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients to support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging, all of the things. And we think it's time for you to reclaim your health. Arm yourself with convenient daily nutrition. It's really just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. By the way, these guys over at Athletic Greens, they've got over 7,000 five-star reviews, so don't just take our word for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, Conrad, let me point something out in case people are wondering why they should take the word of two large men about nutrients. I've already pointed out this is the most I've flown since 2001. Yeah. And unlike every other year where I've traveled, I have not had a cold. Wow. Uh, I've had, I had three years straight where I had pneumonia. Uh, just getting worn down, run down, not enough sleep, not enough nutrition. And the two things I believe, the sleep's always been an issue for me, continues to be my Achilles heel. It's uh, the athletic greens and then also something known as Nuun tablets, N-U-U-N. And be nice to bring them on board sure. as a sponsor because I swear by this stuff and I feel like it's one of the primary reasons that I've uh, stayed healthy. There you go. Take it from Mick. And Plus, the fist bumps. Well, fist bumps that helps. versus handshakes. Are, they really are the way to go if you're traveling and you're meeting lots of people. You're going to be fist bumping because we're going to give you a special offer right now with Athletic Greens. A free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Foley. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Foley to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional tool and insurance. And by the way, this has been a fun show and we love talking about our sponsors here. Uh, we love talking about the good old days. And if your business targets men 25 to 54 years old, brother, there's no better place to advertise than right here on Folius pod. Here's to some of the same ads over and over and over. Why is that? Well, because it really works. And with our super targeted audience, there's very little waste. Go right now to advertisewithfoley.com. That's advertisewithfoley.com to find out more about advertising here on Folius Pod. 
And by the way, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a very special bonus watch along. We teased a few weeks ago, Mick, that maybe we should watch that Texas death match between Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley from AEW. I think we should watch that, do some alternate commentary, and get your opinions. Oh, we you could think. do that, man. We could do that. We'll do it over at adfreeshows.com. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. And, man, am I pumped about next week. We're going to be talking about Lockdown 2009 right here on Folia's Pod. Which will be the lowest rated episode yet. Why? I just don't think people care that much about it. You wrote a book about it. Yeah. Oh, that's why you know. And I've got the sales figures. You've done the research. I've done the research. All right. We'll change it. Next week, we're not talking about Lockdown in 2009. We're talking about Sting and TNA. Yeah, we're going to call it the Sting Show. Next week, right here on Folia's Pod. Did you put Christmas on a credit card? Don't stress out about that extra holiday spending. SaveWithConrad.com can help you consolidate all of your high interest rate credit cards into one much lower monthly payment. SaveWithConrad.com has helped families just like yours save up to $800 a month. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And did I mention no payments until March? So don't make saving money a resolution next year. Make it happen today at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-Free Shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders. Plus, new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early? You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus, ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch-alongs, Q&As, and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered. That adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And hey, when you do, the first week is completely free. Adfreeshows.com. <laughs>